Thanks, Mitch. Today we're going to continue the series that I started last week. My goal is to take us through the Gospel of John and to get us to where one on the triumphal entry. And I won't get to all of it because that, I don't, we don't have time for that. There aren't enough weeks, honestly. But um, to get us through the Gospel of John and look at the stories of Jesus on the way to the cross. Because every one of them is important to not only the message that we need to hear, the truths that we need to understand, but... They tell the story of Christ submitting to the cross all the way through. And it really is an amazing picture when we look at this, that every single thing that Jesus did in his life was one to glorify his Father, but the other was to submit to the death of the cross so that we could have a resurrection on Easter Sunday. So it's a great story. It's a great way to look at the Scripture. It's a great way to understand who Jesus was and what he was all about and what he was doing. So for the next several weeks, that's what we're going to be doing. So today we're in John chapter 9. If you want to turn there, there are Bibles in front of you uh, under the seats. By the way, if you'd like to take one of those home, you can. We buy them by the box so that we can just give them to whoever wants one. (coughs) So if you don't have a Bible, that's a good one. All right, John chapter 9, starting with verse 1. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud, with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Now the first question that comes up in this passage is, who sinned, this man or his parents? Now this is a kind of a Jewish uh, understanding of how things worked, that if you were a sinner, then God punished you and even punished your children or your grandchildren. That's not true, right? We understand that that's not true. That's not really how God works, and that's not what things were about, but this was their understanding. So the disciples' question seems a little odd to us because in our understanding of Scripture and who Jesus is and the grace that God has shown us, we just don't see that. We don't see the world in that color, that frame of mind. So, who sinned is not the question. The real question is, what, ha- what is happening here, and where is this going? Where does this story end? And Jesus answers it by saying, so that, this is so that, so that something wonderful can de- be displayed in, so that the power of God can be seen, so that the presence of the Lord can be seen. Jesus saw this as an opportunity to go and make a statement. And the statement that he makes in this miracle is huge. It's beyond anything that anyone had ever seen before. Because healing the blind was not just something anyone could do. In fact, it was something no one did. Giving sight, opening the eyes, and allowing people to see is the gift from God. 
the gift from God that you can see. Not just in the physical world, but in the spiritual world. And that's what Jesus is trying to display here. This is not just a miracle about what God is able to do and what Christ is able to do because he is God. But it is beyond that. It's more than that. It's deeper than that. Jesus gets to the point where he starts talking about the spiritual life and the spiritual blindness around him. And he wants people to see. So he says to his disciples, watch this. Watch this. Pay attention to this. This is a display. This man will show something huge to you. Something that will open your eyes. Something that will give you sight. Something that will transform how you see everything is about to happen. That's what this miracle is about. It's a display. It's a sign. A miraculous sign. And Jesus again makes mention of the fact that he is the light of the world. We talked about that last week, the light of the world. Now the Pharisees didn't even ask him, what does that mean? How can you even say such a thing? That sounds preposterous. And not only preposterous, but braggadocious. I'm the light of the world. Who makes such a statement? Who's allowed to say such a thing? What a crazy thing for anyone to say unless, of course, it happens to be true. And in Jesus' case, it is true. And he makes that statement again. I'm the light of the world. And while I'm here, I have light work to do. Work that needs to be done to open dark eyes to see. I've come that the world might have life. I've come that there might be light. While I'm here, this light must shine. And again, watch this. Watch what I'm about to do. Because everything changes at this moment in Jesus' life. Everything radically changes. Everything in his ministry takes a whole different flavor after this point. This miracle transported Jesus from that point of what are we going to do about this guy to we got to get rid of this guy. This miracle transformed Jesus' ministry forever. And it took him that one huge step closer to the cross. Now let's get back to the blind man because I want to spend a little time with him and his family, by the way. <laughs> so here's a blind guy born this way. And Jesus comes along, spits in the dirt, right? Does anybody else think, ew? Spits in the dirt, makes mud out of his spit, and puts it on the guy's eyes. Again, I might have passed on this miracle, I don't know. Mud on my eyes? It's like mud in your face. Oh, sorry. I didn't just go there, did I? Mud on his eyes, and, and Jesus says, now go wash in this pool of shalom. And what did the guy do? He just did it. Just did it. Simple obedience. Do I need to talk about this? About this point? About how important this is? For us in our Christian walks, 
for us in our listening to the Lord, for us uh, reading and studying His Word to us, that we just do it. Simple obedience. This guy didn't know Jesus from the man on the moon. Didn't believe in Him, didn't know anything about Him. Probably had heard some stories, but he was not familiar with the person of Christ. He didn't know whether this miracle would happen. He didn't even, maybe didn't even know whether there was such a thing as a miracle available to the blind so that they can see. But he just does it. He simply obeys. I'll tell you, as I was reading the story, I was, and this point came across to me, I was a little convicted. You know? Because in my life and walking with him for all of my life, born and raised in the church, weaned on the pew, whatever the story is, how many times have I failed to just simply obey? And here's this guy who doesn't even believe. Doesn't know Jesus at all. And he just does what he's told because the master told him. Simple obedience. It's a powerful story and a powerful point that we need to take to heart that when we know that we know the Lord is speaking to us, convicting us, pointing His finger at us, helping us, calling us out and saying, go wash, go and take care of this problem, go and deal with this thing, that we just simply respond and do what we're told because in that there is a miracle. There's a miracle just in the action. There's a miracle just in the step of simple obedience. Whether our eyes are are physically blind or our hearts are spiritually blind or our minds are completely shut down to the revelations and the truths of God. When we simply obey, we take that big step of faith. And it's transformative when we just do it. For this guy changed his life. In absolutely every way imaginable, his life was transformed. So let's talk about this guy. After the miracle, he can see. He's walking around. For the first time in his life, he can see people, he can see trees, he can see anything and everything that a normal person who has normal sight can see. A guy who had never seen anything before. Nothing before. Born blind. Well, the Pharisees and the Sadducees get a hold of this news and it shakes their little world because blindness is one of those things that, well, only God can heal. Only God can give sight. So they call this guy in and they say, what happened here? You weren't really blind. First they accuse him, you know, you weren't really blind, were you? You just made this story up. No, all I can tell you is, and the guy says, all I can tell you is, I was once blind and now I see. So they try to tell him, you have to denounce Christ. Don't talk about Jesus. Don't, don't give any glory to him. And he said, I, I don't know what to tell you guys for like two or three times. I don't know what to tell you. All I know is I was blind and now I see. That's it. That's his first step of faith. He doesn't give a lot of glory. He doesn't make a lot of excuses. He doesn't tell a whole lot of the story. He just says, look, this is simple for me. The guy put mud on my eyes, told me to go wash in the pool of Siloam. I went and washed in the pool of Siloam, and my eyesight 
came. I, I can see. So now they call in his parents. <laughs> now these Pharisees and Sadducees, they just, they, if, they, if you don't cry, you'll laugh. You just, you just got to look at them and think, wow, how hard are they holding on to what they believe to be true, even in the face of the impossible? How hard are they holding on to what they believe? That they're willing to look at a man who was blind and can now see and say, this couldn't have happened. This is not happening. We reject this. So they call on his parents and say, is this your son? And was he born blind? Yep. Well, what happened? No idea. The parents just say, we have no idea. We, all we know is that's our son, and yes, he was born blind, and now he can see. They're still not satisfied, so they call the man back in and say, hey, one more time. Tell us the story. Now the guy's getting a little bold. I love what he says next. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Again, look at this story. This guy is just telling him the truth. In fact, his understanding kind of rattles them. Shakes them to the point where they say, we're, we're just going to shut this guy up. Because he gets in their face with their own understanding, with their own truth. He answers them with their own logic and their own theology. We know that only God can do this. And that God doesn't listen to sinners and so this guy can't be a sinner. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he would do nothing. To this they replied, you were steep in sin at birth, how dare you lecture us, and they threw him out. Again, if you don't laugh at these guys, you'll just cry. And if you look at the world and look at understanding and how short we fall sometimes of just opening our hearts and minds to the total revelation of just who God is, the completeness of this God-man who walked on this earth and opened blind eyes. And Jesus did just exactly that. And these guys can't comprehend the fact that either he is who he says he is or we've got nothing left. Because they've got nothing left. They have no answer for this. There's no reply. There's no doctrine. There's no theology. There's no understanding. There's no words that can describe how shaken their world is. Because everything they believe is standing right in front of them. And their only response is, to throw the guy out and to continue to re reject Jesus. So Jesus is on his way to the cross 
and he confronts a blind man and heals him. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders, the people who have been waiting for Messiah to come, have him standing right before them, and they still reject him. And throw out the guy who is the walking testimony of Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. This blind guy gets bold. I love this. I love his response. I love how he answered them. He doesn't back down. He's not shy. He's not withdrawn. In fact, he doesn't feel like he even has to really explain who Jesus is. He just says, look, here's the reality. And you need to understand what's standing right in front of you. All I know is only God can heal the blind, and here I am. I was born blind, and now I see. Boldness. Now back to the story. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Let me stop there. Who is he, sir? Do you believe? The guy just told a story to the to the Sanhedrin, he just explained the whole thing, said, look, this guy is either of God or, or, or I don't know how to explain it any other way. He's got to be of God because only God can do this. And Jesus stands in front of him and says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the guy says, I don't, I'm not sure yet. Isn't that interesting? That's interesting to me. I'm not sure yet. I tell me. And he look. He's looking for Jesus to say exactly what Jesus says next. Are you willing to tell me that you are the Son of Man? Are you willing to tell me that you are the Christ? If you're willing to say that, okay. Then we'll talk. Tell me so that I may believe in him. I need to know if you really are the Son of Man, just tell me. And Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking to you. Then the man said, Lord, I believed, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? Are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. And here we have the Pharisees and the Sadducees being just that self-righteous group of people again whose sin is self-righteousness. Knowledge they have. Some understanding they have. But they've put all of their faith in that alone. Now don't get me wrong, I'm all for knowledge. In fact, my next Wednesday study, I may announce this soon, as soon as I'm ready to do it, will be from C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity. But it's such a deep study that I'm taking my time on it. So when I do it, I will let you know. But 
our lack of knowledge sometimes is very dangerous to us. We become people of just heart and emotion, and we design our services to do both, you know. The worship, the music is meant to stir your emotions and open your hearts. It's meant to touch you. It's meant to draw you into His presence. It's meant to remind you of just this gracious God that comes into our lives and shows us His love and power and presence. And when we get into His Word, it's to stir you, not just emotionally, but mentally. Challenge your minds to think beyond where you would normally think into the deeper truths of God's Word, and so it's designed to do both. And we sometimes neglect our intellect for just heart, and God is a God of heart, I know, but He's also a God who gave you a mind to think, and we'll be dealing with that in some length um, during mere Christianity. But these guys are steeped in their understanding only, And when the miracle is right in front of them, their minds can't embrace it and their hearts don't open to it. And Jesus said, if you said you were still blind, if you were blind, that would be okay because at least you'd have an excuse or a reason for not seeing. But you think you can see and your sin remains. Self-righteousness. This idea that I have arrived and it's all good. And I don't need anything new in that. There's no great new revelations when there are millions to yet be discovered because the boundness of God is beyond our wildest dreams. And we can search for eternity and still not understand, but keep on searching. That's the call. Keep on searching. Or you fall into the area of self-righteousness. And Jesus asked this guy one simple question, do you believe? Do you believe? Because the guy you're looking for, the Christ, the Son of Man is standing right in front of you. I'm talking to you now. And the guy says, yes, I believe. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking to you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he did what comes natural. He worshipped him. He worshipped him for who he was. We praise because of the things that God does, but we worship because of who he is. When the revelation of God comes to us and we see this whole new beauty, this whole new image, this whole new God himself, when God reveals something new to us, all we can do is fall down and worship him, and that's exactly what this man does. He had already been healed. He'd already told the story. He's already told his family. He's already told the Sanhedrin. He's told everyone this amazing story. I can see the praises there. But he's standing before God himself and he realizes it for the first time. And all he can do is worship for who God is. And that he's standing right before him. And that's our challenge, you see. That's a call to us as well. We're always looking for the miracles or the new thing when God is really trying to say to us, discover more of me, discover who I am. Let me show you. Let me tell you one more time. I am he. I'm the one you're looking for. I'm the one who's worthy 
I am the Christ, the Son of Man. It reminds me of the part of that hymn that we sing, I once was lost, but now I'm fine, found and was blind, but now I see. Amazing grace. And that's why that song still stays so powerful in our lives, isn't it? It's that amazing grace that every time we sing it, every time we hear it, every time it opens up again to us the amazing power and the presence of God. That we stand in His presence and we don't deserve it. We're standing before Him because of His mercy. That I'm a sinner and I have stood before the Lord and I found this grace that transforms me. That I once was steeped in darkness and blindness. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. That is amazing grace. And that's what happened to this blind man that day. He came into the presence of amazing grace. A miracle worker, absolutely. But something far deeper, far greater, something more transformative than he could have possibly imagined. He came into the presence of God himself and he worshipped. And he worshipped. And that is what a true believer does. Finds a place to just worship. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we come before you today. From our living rooms to our church here in this place. We have one response to this amazing grace. We have only one response to come and worship. King of glory, the great I am, the Christ of Calvary. Stir in us again that desire, that passion, that amazing grace. And bring us back to the foot of the cross to worship the King of glory, the Messiah, the Son of Man. Remind us and revive us. Stir us from our darkness and our blindness to be worshipers of God. Above all else, in all of this world and all of this universe, to be worshipers of God. For your name's sake and for your glory alone.